morning. Just say hello. Be glad that you're here today and welcome those around us.
believe what you're singing this morning. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. As the band begins to play the next song, would you pray with me this morning? Just as God, you know, he's here with us today, allowing us the freedom to worship him because we will one day be right before him, kneeling at his feet, bowing before him, praising his name. Let's praise Jesus this morning. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare his praise. For who can stop the Lord Sins of the world is blood. 
good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Alive? Good? Warmer than you were outside, hopefully, right? Uh, we're excited that you're here. Actually, we're thrilled that you're here. And uh, if you are brand new with us, would you make it a point to find us at the Welcome Center? We have something for you. Uh, we'd love to get you and your family, or if you're here by yourself or whatever, just get you guys connected here and hear your stories. So we're excited about that. Um, also, too, I want to share that we've been talking about our birthday gift to Jesus, which is a way that we bless local and national and international ministry partners, local missionaries, church planners, missionaries uh, overseas and locally. And uh, this uh, today, we are at $107,000. So can we give God a hand for that? We're super excited about that. Yeah. And as I share the next announcement, would you pass the friendship folders? We appreciate if you do that. Um, but we're back to normal schedule. Everything's, most of you are probably finding yourself in that right now, kind of back to the swing of things. And so Wednesday nights, children's ministry, student ministries, back on schedule. Life groups are starting to meet up again. And so we're just really excited about what God has in store for us in 2018. Um, but as I ask the ushers to come forward this morning, we're going to be continuing our new series, The Struggle is Real. And we're excited about what God's going to teach us through his word this morning. So would you join me in prayer as we uh, just give thanks to God for this offering. Lord, we love you. We uh, approach you. And we make you the priority. God, you've given us these treasures so, uh, so freely. God, whatever size, whatever amount, God, we know that uh, you will use these treasures, God, these monies to widen your kingdom. And so we're just so thankful uh, that you would use us to further your kingdom, God. So we know that this morning as we sing to you, as we proclaim the truth of who you are, God, we know that because of Jesus, uh, there is a truth about us is that you no longer see us for what we have done or what we will do or what we are doing. God, you only see your son, Jesus. And that is amazing. And truly inspires just to, uh, just to be in a, in a state of awe. And so, God, we just, we lift you up, and we want to make your name famous this morning. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us in your name. Hurting 
I was tempted to wear shorts to our life group before I shoveled snow the next night. You know, isn't that, isn't that awesome? It's just the struggle can be real. And uh, as you're starting to look at that struggle, I think everybody has some sort of a struggle, and the struggles are real. And I want you to think about, uh, about this poor guy here. I'll show you this video here. You've probably seen this guy, but maybe this is what your life feels like sometimes. Okay. Yeah. It, it replays here. I think it goes a little slow motion here. This is just, this is just wonderful. He's so graceful, too. He's just trying to go to work. He goes down his driveway after a freezing rainstorm. They, they interviewed him on, uh, they had him and his wife on some sort of news magazine, and they were like, you know, I think it was off of a ring doorbell that has a little camera on it. And so they were, uh, they, they were interviewing him off, off of the, uh, on TV, and his wife was just laughing hysterically. You know, he's got millions of hits. He's become an overnight sensation, so YouTube sensation. But, you know, the struggle can be real. As I've been going through this, I've had a few of my own struggles. Uh, last night, uh, you know, we were out here. It was, it was cold last night. We had a great Saturday night gathering, and, and then uh, afterwards I went out and met up with my wife. She was at the mall, and on the way home, you know, it's like, hey, it's really cold. We should make sure there's gas in the tank, right? So she had, she had one of the kids' cars, and I had my car, and so we stopped, and we filled up the tanks, and I was a good husband. You know, I was outside filming both tanks, and, um, and then, you know, she had shut the car off, and then she goes to start the car, and it won't start back up again. I'm like, oh, this is grand. And she's like, well, the key, I can't get the key out of the ignition. I said, oh, this is wonderful. It's now 9 o'clock at night, Saturday night. Pastor should be in bed sleeping by then, right? And so uh, I'm out there, and I, I, I try to pull the key out. I couldn't get it out. So what do you do? You call AAA, right? And they said that they'd be there in the next, you know, 68 minutes or something like that. And so 68 minutes came and went, and they never came. They never called, nothing. So I called them and let them know that they were late. And, uh, and they let me know that somebody would be there in another 90 minutes. So, you know, it's now approaching 1130. And, uh, you know, I go out there and I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to take matters into my own hand. I pulled up every YouTube video, how to fix the situation. And one guy says, take a rubber mallet on a key and you'll fix it, right? So I, I didn't have a rubber mallet, but I had like a Coke bottle. And I took this Coke bottle and I fixed it. I just snapped a key off an ignition. And... Um, and Tripway never made it. It was like we were there till 2.30 in the morning, and Tripway never made it. So uh, this morning, you know, I come home. I'm like, well, I'm just abandoning the car. It was at pump number eight at the get-go on Fort Couch Road. So, I mean, you know, this is, a, this is not an emergency, but it's an emergency. 
So this morning I call over there and I, and I called Tripwire. I said, hey, you know, we waited five hours. You guys never came, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and they're like, well, we just happen to have a guy on the way. He'll be there in 20 minutes. I said, oh, that's great because the, the owner of the gecko has told me this morning that he is going to call and have it impounded if you don't get there by 10 o'clock. So I'm up here. Rhonda's up here. We send care out there to, to get the car because he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything until he signed up. He waited 10 minutes and left. And so the car was out there. The struggle was real. It was one of those days. You're just like, man, how, how, can, how can all the dominoes fall at once on you, right? And as you start looking at life, you, you, sometimes you get overwhelmed just by the processes of life. But I'll tell you what, there's, uh, there's one thing I know that is the center of life. And if we get that area right, it helps us deal with that. Because, and, and that is your relationship with God. We started out last week talking about the importance of getting into God's Word, being in church, being here, surrounding yourself with the things that are going to help you to grow in Christ. And, and as you do that, here's what happens. If you have a weak relationship with God, whenever you get into those moments with the triple A guy who didn't come, guess what happens? Your anger takes over. Okay, and, and when, you, when you're into the struggle, there are things that take over and it allows you to see where you're really at in your spiritual life. Because your spiritual life is not what happens up here. This is a small part of what happens. Your spiritual life is Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's an hour a week. Your spiritual life is being impacted. And it's your daily life and it's what happens and how do you respond to that guy? So, you know, after about 17 phone calls, I got a little firm, you know, I, I, I was like, hey, you know, we, we need somebody to get here and get here now. And, and so, so you get into that mode and you're, you're into this tension. You have all this tension that you're dealing with. And yet, you know, you got to be angry and sin not. And I, I find that really hard because when I'm angry, I like to sin. <laughs> you know, when I'm angry, I like to swing and hit and say things that you don't, that, that you regret. Okay. Things that you don't mean, but they're things that you end up regretting. And so that's what happens. And so, so you're dealing with that. But if you work on the, the, the epicenter of your life, and that is a relationship with God, then you don't have to win. You don't have to get ahead. You don't have to, uh, you know, it, it's okay that things like that happen to you. And when you're dealing with multiple areas of life, because these struggles are, are minimal compared to the bigger real-life struggles. And so this morning, I'd like to just talk about this um, as, as we get into the, today's topic, I'm, I'm reminded that whenever we blow it, whenever we hurt things, uh, when things blow up, what do we tend to do? We tend to cover it up. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, all right, so this, this was a bad situation. I blow up. I lost my temper. And we cover it up. We said, well, you know, and, and we cover up the shame of it. And you get into there, and it's like, well, da, 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 well you know, well, I had every right. I had every right. You know, I was at the gas station until 2.30 in the morning. I didn't have any right to blow up on the guys. That's God's right. Vengeance is his. Why do I have to take vengeance? It's not mine to take. And so this is where, see, when God is the epicenter and we're working on the epicenter of your life, now it changes how I can react. And there'll be times that you'll react and you'll, you'll blow it and, and then you try to cover it up. I'm reminded of the Brady Bunch. You know, when I, that's, the, that's when I really watched TV was when stuff like that was on TV. Anybody remember the Brady Bunch? Okay, you, can, you probably see it on ancient TV channel now. And, uh, you know, whatever that TV land channel is. And, and you can watch the Brady Bunch there. But I'm reminded in the Brady Bunch, you know, there's a story of a lovely lady with three very lovely 
young girls, right? And the story of a, a man with very, you know, three handsome boys, and they got married, and, and, uh, and they have all these real-life situations. And one of the real-life situations was that, I think it was Peter or Bobby, I can't remember which one, he was bouncing a ball, and his mom had told him, you know, don't mess with the vase, always be careful, this is my vase. Her prized vase was down in the living room, and he, he bounces the ball, comes down the steps, and crushes the vase. I mean, just broken into pieces, and so they're scrambled, and they're like, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? So they come in for their own cover-up, and their cover-up was to, to take it and to glue it back together. So that, and I'll, I'll never forget watching that. I just remember chuckling and laughing about it. It's amazing how some of those stories come back to you. And so, so they had this vase, and they, and they glued it back together, and they tried to cover up by putting another vase on the table for Mom. And, well, I want you to watch the ending of the clip. Well, I think they could use a larger vase. This one looks like it's going to tip over. That one on the chest there should be just right. Uh, Mom, don't you think it'd be nice if we did something else with the flowers? Like what? Why don't we... We plant them. Uh, yeah, they might smell better in the garden. Yeah, that's yeah, a great idea. Yeah, you we... know you can't replant cut flowers. Boy, I wish you'd all been this interested in gardening when I was doing the weeding. Uh, wait a minute, Mom. I'll get the vase for you. I'll help. I'm great at arranging flowers. You? Since when? I hardly ever get a chance. Say, would you hurry up before dinner gets cold? Yeah, I'll put an aspirin in the water. Water? In the vase? Well, of course. You've got to put flowers in water. <laughs> it doesn't leak. Great. Put the flowers in. daydreaming. Why aren't you eating? It's just that everything's so good we want to make it last. Well, there's plenty here for seconds. Come on. Dig in. having cracks in it when your mother bought it. Obviously, it's been broken and glued back together again. The question is, who broke it and who glued it together? <laughs> your mother and I expect an answer. You see, we all deal with temptation 
which leads to guilt, which leads to shame. And, and, and we all try to cover it up. You know, it's so easy. You can cover your tracks all that you want. At the end of the day, shame is inside. Shame is what we have to deal with. And it's like we do the great cover-up. We always try to cover our tracks. And, you know, covering your tracks just isn't good enough. And, you know, when you, when you think of guilt, so, so guilt is, comes from things that we've done. And, uh, and, and we, we typically associate it there. But shame comes when we say, because I've done these, I am of no value. And what happens is we start to take our value down and we dig down our value and we say, I am no good, I am no, I'm no good to God, I'm no good to anybody, and we put ourselves into this trench called shame. Uh, shame is, is deeper than guilt. Shame is known as the swampland of the soul. And, uh, you, know, we, we, you know, when we confront shame... Um, it's something that's it's ugly. We don't want to live there. We, we just want to get through it and get over it. But guilt and shame are, are, are things that we have to deal with because we deal with temptation and we're, gonna, we're going to fall into temptation. And then as we fall into temptation, we deal with guilt and then we deal with shame. The sources of shame, you can get shame from a couple places. Uh, uh, the things that have been done to us in the past and uh, th- I'm sorry, things that we have done in the past you can look back and you say, here was an incident. Here was a particular sin. Uh, how about the habits that we possess? How about the, when we possess habits that, that just aren't helping us? They're not helping my family. They're not helping anybody. It's like, man, I got these habits and, you know, I've got this hidden. I've made myself, you know, so that nobody knows about this stuff. And, and as, you, as you put yourself into this can that you think nobody else knows about, in the meantime, God says your cover-up is not good enough. And you start to deal with this shame. And so here we are, we're, we're dealing with shame. So I want to go into the scripture this morning. I want to look at where did shame come from? When did, when did shame first enter the picture? When did guilt enter the picture? And it all has to do with temptation. Genesis 1.27 says that we were created in the image and in the likeness of God. That's how God made man and woman. He created us in his likeness, in his image. Over in Genesis 2.25, we see that here was the God had made man, Adam and Eve, in the likeness and image of God. He had everything in this wonderful place, the Garden of Eden, and he sets them up and he says, look, I want you to enjoy everything here, but there's one tree you're not going to eat of, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And, and, and so outside of that, that was the only ground rule. Everything else was like, you know, you'll you, you have dominion over the animals. You'll be fruitful and multiply. He gave them this wonderful place with all the, everything that they needed for success. And yet, they were still naked. Now, that's kind of interesting. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Up until this point, Genesis chapter 2, to the end of Genesis chapter 2, um, we see that Adam and Eve, here they are naked, and there was no shame. Today, that's quite different, isn't it? Uh, if you're naked, you feel shame. Uh, you know, you, nobody has to tell you to put clothes on to go to work, right? Nobody has to, your boss doesn't come over and says, hey, aren't you forgetting something? You forget to wear clothes today, right? Although that could be questioned in our culture very much, but uh, you pretty much know when you're naked, right? And, uh, and so, because there's shame associated with it now, but there was no shame. They were naked. And here's what naked, I want you to take it beyond the clothing. Because what was happening is that they were totally exposed before God and there was no shame. It's the greatest 
time in human history right there. They were totally exposed before God the Father, and there was no shame. They were totally exposed to each other, and there was no shame. Wow. This was, a, this was, this was like the, the greatest. It doesn't get any better than this. And yet, chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, we see temptation enters the picture. Genesis 3, 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat? of any tree in the garden? Did God really say of any tree you shall not eat? See what Satan does? Satan always comes and he takes what God says and he twists it. Uh, God has given us all the truth that we need to succeed. It's right here in his word. And Satan will come and he will take and he will twist it. That's why it's so important to come back to God's word. Uh, He says here in uh, in verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, But God said, you shall not eat of any of the fruit of the trees that is in the midst of the garden. I'm sorry. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. So Eve responds, and she doesn't quite have a grasp on what God said. And many many well-meaning Christians do that today. They, They don't quite have a grasp on what God said. They don't even know what God said. That's why I'm encouraging you. Get involved into God's word. I go, uh, we got the Bible reading plans in the foyer, grab them, they're, they're right by the door on your way out, there's five different kinds, please go pick one up and uh, make, make it work for you, whatever happens, whatever works right for you to get into God's word this year, um, because we need to know God's word to be able to combat the enemy. Uh, this year, I'm doing the Bible app. If you, if you have the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app, you can download it on your phone. It's free. YouVersion, look me up, Ken Barner on there, and you can follow me as I'm trying to read through the Bible this year. It will actually read to you, all right? Certain translations that you pick on there, it will read it to you. So I'm allowing it to read to me this year. And I'm going to go through the Bible and let it read to me. So if you want to follow me, follow me, and you'll see that I'm a couple of days behind already. But you can follow me. Get on there, and, you'll, and, and, you, and we'll, we'll do this journey together. But he says here, he says, uh, Eve says, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst, neither shall you touch it. You see, God didn't say anything about touching it. God didn't say you can't even touch it. He said don't eat of it. So, so she's, not, she's not totally understanding what God says here. Uh, but the serpent says to the woman, You will not surely die. And that's what Satan always does. Satan always comes back and makes you think that what he has is better than what God has. That's the bottom line to temptation. God said this, and the enemy comes and says, I've got something better. No, no, I've got something better over here. You're missing out on something over here because, in the meantime, God wants you to grow. He wants you to to develop. He wants, he wants to expand your world, your heart, your humility. And over here, God, and over here, Satan says, take this now. He, 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 you, know, you, you want this apple now or whatever that fruit is, right? And, but the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes... And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, check this out. There's, there's a whole lot there, what Satan does. He, he takes it and says, you know, the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to the eye. This is one of the biggest traps of Satan. 
Satan always is going to come to you and, and say, look at this. This is much better than what God has for you. I, I just look at every temptation that you've struggled with. It always comes back to that, that Satan has fed you a lie that this is better than God. Whatever that is, whether it's, uh, you, you fill in the blank, whatever it is that God is doing there, and you're, you're dealing with that temptation, Satan's saying, uh-huh, you know, if you, if you just take this, take a shortcut here. God says, no, I don't want you taking the shortcut. Uh, no, I, it's about me growing you. No, it's about you trusting me. And, and this is where God is at there. Uh, so, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Life changed. You see, when sin, when sin enters the picture, whenever we fall to that temptation, there is a big change now. They knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They took matters into their own hands. They knew that they were naked and, they, and naked, and they went out and they did exactly what was right in their own eyes. Oh, they were right to feel naked. Because God, you know, that was part of the deal here. They felt the nakedness. They felt it all. And uh, verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. God comes walking around in the cool of the day. That would be in Pittsburgh. That would be any hour of the day, wouldn't it, you know? Just the cool of the day. I, I could just imagine this wonderful garden, 65 degrees a day, 55 at night. It's just heaven. And God comes by every day. You know what happened? This was not the first time that God came by. This was not the first time that they had heard him, but it was the first time that they hid from him because things changed. You see, God only had one thing for them not to do. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they, they, fall. they fall to the sin, right? They, they, they're now dealing with guilt and they're now dealing with shame because they're hiding from the very one that they love to talk to. Uh, the, as God came and walked through that garden of Eden and rustled the leaves on the ground and, and heard the branches crackling as God came near, <laughs> this time as God came near, they were hiding. And what was once bliss, once was once the way God intended it, became the way that we have to live today. Became the way that we are living in a fallen world. His wife hid, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I'd be curious, how do you hide from God? What are the fig leaves that you've made? Uh, you know, there's shame. We all deal with shame, and we try to cover it up. Just like the Brady Bunch, you, you glue it all back together, but there's too many holes in it. There's too, ma- too many things, and, and those fig leaves, they, they weren't good enough. Uh, the, the fig leaves didn't deal with their shame. The fig leaves didn't handle the shame. It didn't cover their shame. Uh, verse 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? Now, this is, this is really awesome. God keeps his word. He says, if you, will, if you sin, then you will die. But in this very moment, he knew that what had happened. 
And God not only knows what had happened, he comes looking for him. And when he says, uh, that he says, where are you to Adam and Eve? It wasn't that his GPS was broken. It wasn't that find a friend on Adam and Eve was broken and he couldn't find them. He knew exactly where he was. And when he called out to him, where are you? It was God aggressing. God was coming after Adam and it was a sign of love. It was a sign of this ultimate care that the father would come and care for the one that had just fallen. And he says, where are you? And he does it so that Adam and Eve will know what's happened. You see, God already knew what happened. Now he wants Adam, uh, God wants Adam and Eve to realize, hey, I know. Uh, you were once naked, fully exposed before me. Now I know you're hiding from me. And, and, and again, what, what, what areas do we hide in? What areas do you hide in life? He, he said, I hear the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Well, what areas do you hide? What are the fig leaves that you're making today? You, you, you know, you go into life, and you, and you look at all the, all the things that you have to deal with, and, uh, and, and you start looking, and I want you to understand what, what had happened here. This wasn't the first time that they were naked. It's the first time that they had felt that they were naked. And they, 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 they do what is right, and they go out and they grab these figs, fig leaves, and they make, make their own clothing out of figs to try and cover because they no longer feel able to be exposed before the Lord. And they can't even be exposed before each other. And that's the way we live today. We're in this walls. And so in relationships today, people build walls around them all the time because we think that we can just build a wall up and I'll be all right in my shame inside of my shame. Or we ta- maybe we don't build walls. We do busy. We stay busy. We sign up for everything. We are in every club under the sun. We're in every sport. We are so busy because if we stop, we may look at ourselves and realize, I got some shame to deal with got some guilt to deal with. But you know, the greatest part of the whole, the whole story, yes, as you go on, you look there, it says that uh, you continue in reading in chapter 3, and it's what is known as the fall of man. Uh, in, in theology, it's the original sin. This is when sin enters the world, and now we have sin because we are in the downline of Adam and Eve. So we have this sin that we have to deal with. And God says, your sin separates you from God. And so this, this, this is big. This, the, the, the chasm is huge. But what is really incredible to me is that in the midst of the promise, number one, God comes looking for Adam. Number two, God realizes that the fig leaves are not adequate. They cannot deal with the shame. They cannot deal with the guilt. They're, they're, they're not an adequate covering. So look what God does for them. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made Adam... Uh, made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. You, you, think, of the, think of the fig leaves. And, and I never really caught this before. I've been looking at this this week, and I'm saying, okay, fig leaves versus the skin of the animal. What's the difference here? Fig leaves. You know, surely that would work. You know, well, maybe there'd be, you could peek through them. I don't know, you know. It just, you know, it wasn't, wasn't good. And God said, I'm going to give them something more permanent. I want you to think of a fig leaf just crumbling up a day or two and it's done. God does something here. And God takes a snapshot of his love for us here. And, and from Genesis chapter 3 all the way till the end of the Bible in Revelation, 
Do you, this is what you see is the picture of God restoring man and woman to himself. God coming to restore you to himself. Because from Genesis chapter 3, here's the picture. The fig leaves weren't good enough. You're trying to cover your shame and your guilt with, from your sin by I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be busy. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to hide. Nobody will know about it. And you make all these plans. And it's not good enough to cover. God came to Adam and Eve, and he kills an animal. And when he kills the animal, he makes covering for Adam and Eve. I never saw this before. It was the picture of the covering for you on the cross. It was the picture. Here, and here it is. God took a snapshot. He says, you know what? I know this isn't going to work. Here, let me give you the skins. And so he kills an animal and something must die. And what had to die so that you could be covered was the lamb of God. John said when, when Jesus came on the scene, he says, look, there's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world who takes it away. He takes it away. It's gone. And so when God looks at you, he looks at me. If you've trusted him, if you're in Christ, you are covered with the blood of the lamb. It's like that skin of that lamb. It is covering you. And when Jesus looks at you, he, 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 looks, he looks and he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. He, he was the one who can make the covering. 1 John chapter 1. You know, there, there's, a, there, there's a couple things here this morning as, uh, as, as we're looking at this because people deal with guilt and shame and our sin. When, we, when we're looking at our sin, we deal with it all different ways. You have this extreme over here that says, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm a pretty good person. I go to church. I think that's good. That covers up all the other stuff, right? And, you know, kind of this good outweighs my bad type of thing. But, but I'm more good than I'm bad. So I don't have to worry about anything. And then you come to this end of the spectrum, and then there are those folks that say this, man, I am so bad, I, can't, I am so much guilty, so much shame, there's no way that God could love me, no way that I could ever be exposed before God, no way that my relationships will ever be healthy. And so you got this extreme to this extreme. Now look here what 1 John says. He says, if we claim that we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. You see the extreme over here? Oh, I'm okay. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, everything's good. You see, he says, if we claim that we have no sin, you're fooling yourself and the truth is not in you. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all the wickedness. That's God's promise. To confess, to say the same thing that God says about my sin. Sometimes you're accompanied with emotion. Sometimes you're not. You come before the Lord and say, God, I know that I've offended a holy God. And you see, that's where most people think of church. That's why most people are afraid to walk in the doors of a church because they think about the holy God and the guilty self. But folks, that's only half the story. If the story ended there with the holy God and the guilty self, you wouldn't be here this morning. 
We're here because the story continues. Because Jesus, there was a holy God with a guilty self. And God says, I'm going to pursue after the guilty self so that you can be set free. And I'm going to give you a covering. And I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you life that begins now. And so that, that is the whole story. But sadly, many people in our culture, they think of how good they can be to get to God. If I just work harder, if I just keep going there. But yet what the picture we see over and over in the scripture is that God pursued man. God's pursuing you to this day. He's giving you a chance over and over and over. And he keeps coming to you. Verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Chapter 2, verse 1, 1 John 2, 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. He says, I'm writing this so, so I'm trying to help you not to sin. I'm giving you this. He says, but if anyone does sin, because he knows that we will sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. How cool is that? That if you are in Christ, the Father, before the Father, God the Son, Jesus, stands before God the Father, and he is an advocate. He pleads because his righteousness is good enough. His righteousness is the only thing good enough. And he says, you know what? God, I know Ken Barner. He's one of my children, and I know what he's doing, but apply my blood to it right now. Can we thank God for that? And that's what God does for you in your life. And all the guilt and all the shame that you're dealing with as you deal with sin, we don't have to live under this guilt and shame, and we don't even have to go there anymore. God gives you freedom. Instead of building a cover-up, let's go and get healing. Let's come before the Father and say, God, I need you to heal me of these habits, of my attitudes, of my actions, of the things that are destroying me because I want your life. And so I come before him and I get to have the advocate. I love that. I, I, I envision a, like a lawyer, a lawyer going in, going for, the, going for the gusto, and Jesus goes before the Father. That's my child. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only the sins, not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. God has given you this awesome opportunity to be free. As a matter of fact, today I'd like to ask you this question. Why are you still paying for sins that Jesus has already paid for? You know, so many people are saying, I'm no good and I, have to, I just have to keep asking forgiveness. I've got to keep doing this. I've got to keep coming back. It's like they keep rehashing and rehashing and rehashing. And maybe I'll get God's favor. God says, you've got all my favor. I died on the cross. I paid for your sin. Why are you trying to pay for something that God already paid for? Over in Romans 8.1, he says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You catch that? No, none, no, you will never be condemned if you're in Christ. You will never be condemned. But God, what about, you know what I did when I was 17? Lord, you know I yelled at the guy on a triple A today? No condemnation. And I have a statement I want to put up here. It says that, 
that the one who could condemn you the most doesn't condemn us at all. And if you get one thing out of this today, write that down and go home and realize that, that I have been set free and I don't have to live under guilt. I don't have to live under shame and I don't have to go in back and sin. I will sin because I'm a sinner, but I don't have to go back to these same areas that have been plaguing us and, and you can have freedom today. So I want to encourage you today as, as, as we get freedom to, to come and understand that, 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 that Jesus is the one who's calling you He says, come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you you come and you carry your heavy burdens, he says, I will give you rest. Verse 29, he continues on. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The message translation, I, I, I enjoy the message paraphrase. And, and one of the things, uh, let me just read this to you from the paraphrase. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. In other words, stop covering up. Stop trying to earn favor because I paid for it all on the cross. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. It's bound prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to encourage you. The covering has been made. Jesus made the covering. He did it on the cross. And everything that you do to try and deal with guilt and shame and deal with sin on your own, it's fig leaves. It's not good enough. It won't last. You have to make another one tomorrow. But God did it once and for all forever on the cross. I think many, many people in here don't realize how free you are, that, that you don't have to live with your head down. You don't have to live in condemnation because God does not condemn you. So first of all, I'd like to invite you, if you've not trusted Christ, to to make that personal today. I'd like to invite you to to make the forgiveness of your sins. Because Jesus says that he's forgiven you. Would you make it personal today and come and accept his forgiveness? And just call upon him and say something like this. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior today. And Lord, I thank you that you don't condemn me. Thank you that you love me. Thank you you that you died on that cross and you rose again and you gave me life eternal. And God, I accept your life right now. Thank you, Lord, for that gift, for that covering for me on the cross. For others in this room, maybe you've been following God. You've got the covering, but you've gone back to pick up your guilt and shame. You've been trying to make fig leaves with your life. You've been trying to do what is right in your own eyes, but God says it leads to destruction. And I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to surrender? Are you ready to come to to Jesus back again and just restore that? Say, God, I, I just need to let go of these burdens. I need, to, I need to let go of trying. I need, I need to just trust you. And God, 
forgive me. Restore me. Lord, be with your people as they respond to your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. As we close, let's stand together as we sing a closing song. Feel free to come and kneel at the altar and pray. And let's seek the Lord together.